Welcome to the Hustle Sanely podcast, a show inviting you to live a peacefully productive life. I'm your host, Jess Massey, a peaceful productivity coach and planner creator. My mission is to share mindset shifts and peaceful productivity tips that help people with really full lives go from running on fumes to living with intention in every season. You're in the right place if you want to design a life that reflects your actual priorities so you can stop the constant hustle and pursue your goals while prioritizing your well-being. Now take a deep breath and let's learn how to hustle sanely. Hey, hi, hello, Hustle Sanely Squad, and welcome back to the show. Uh, Are you tired of hearing me say that I'm so glad that you're here? Because for real, I am so glad that you're here. And I'm just ready to get right into today's topic, five things to help lower your stress and support your cortisol levels. I feel like you know this, but I have to say anyway, I'm not a doctor. This is not intended to be medical advice. Always seek professional medical assistance over taking my word, okay? But this is something that I've been talking a lot about on my Instagram stories and therefore having conversations with you in my DMs. So I was like, okay, this deserves its own home on the podcast. So I want to start with a little backstory. In November, I was waking up almost every single night at 2 a.m. I am not joking. It was like clockwork, no pun intended. See what I did there? See what I did there? But I randomly posted about it on my Instagram stories about waking up at 2 a.m. every night and being like, I'm so tired. What the F is going on? And a few people DM'd me saying that often when people wake up between 2 and 3 a.m. consistently, a culprit could be that you're stressed slash that your cortisol levels are too high. And my first reaction when people said that, I was like, hmm, that's weird because I don't feel stressed at all. And I think that's because my mind went to circumstantial like life stress. Work was going well. Family life was going well. My marriage was going well. So I was confused about why people were telling me that I was stressed. I was like, girl, I'm telling you, I am chill. Like I'm so chill right now. I honestly had no what cortisol was. So I looked it up and here is what I learned from WebMD. I'm reading this to you straight from WebMD. Okay. Is that credible? I don't know, but this is just basic information. So I think we're good. I think we're good. But it says, think of cortisol as nature's built-in alarm system. It's your body's main stress hormone. It works with certain parts of your brain to control your mood, motivation, and fear. Your adrenal glands, and then it says those are triangle-shaped organs at the top of your kidneys, make cortisol. Cortisol plays an important role in a number of things your body does. For example, cortisol manages how your body uses carbs, fats, and proteins. It keeps inflammation down. It regulates your blood pressure. It increases your blood sugar, aka glucose. It controls your sleep and wake cycles. Hello, ding, 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 red flag for me. And it boosts energy so you can handle stress and restores balance afterward. So after reading a bunch about cortisol, I realized that while my life circumstances may not have been causing me stress, I was still putting stress on myself in like these little underlying subtle ways. And I had been for over a decade. 
Now, uh, like I said, I'm not a doctor, but I think because I was no longer running on fumes and just trying to survive, thanks to Hustling Sanely, shout out to Hustle Sanely, my body was kind of like coming down, if you will, from operating under constant stress. It's like fight or flight. My body had been in fight mode since my early 20s, thanks to hustle culture. And in my 30s, I started making changes to live a peacefully productive life, and my life became more peaceful, right? Like, hello. But I think because my mind and my body were finally at a calmer pace than they were used to and like the calm place was the norm, the effects of the residual stress from the last decade were starting to take a toll on me. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody else or it resonates, but it makes sense to me. I was running on fumes for like all of my 20s and then towards the like tail, tail, tail end of my 20s and my early 30s, I started to create a new pace of life for myself. So I feel like because like my baseline was now calmer, all the past stress was like kind of crashing down on me. Anyway, after realizing this, I made the decision to focus on changes that I could make and habits that I could weave into my life to help regulate my cortisol levels, I wanted to kind of rein in stress that I was unknowingly putting on myself. So since around mid-December, I've been really, really intentional about supporting my cortisol levels. And I can honestly say that I've noticed a difference in my overall quality of life. I sleep better. I have more energy, probably because of the better sleep, right? Makes sense. And I'm way less anxious, which makes sense because that WebMD article that I shared a minute ago, it went on to say, what if you're under constant stress and the alarm button stays on? It can derail your body's most important functions. It can also lead to a number of health problems, including anxiety and depression, headaches, heart disease, memory and concentration problems, aka brain fog, problems with digestion, trouble sleeping, weight gain. I'm going to link this WebMD article in the show notes if you want to read the whole thing, but I feel like because my cortisol was out of whack and I was under constant stress, I was dealing with a couple of those things, right? So anyway, I wanted to, like I said, dedicate an entire episode to the habits that I did to help lower my stress and support my cortisol. Because let's be honest, when we're less stressed, it's easier for us to live peacefully productive lives. Like, that just goes hand in hand, you know? So the first habit that I did to kind of help me lower my stress, I limited my caffeine intake and I'm intentional about when I'm having my caffeine. So it's kind of two in one. Now let me start off y'all by saying, I love coffee. My relationship with coffee is like that of Lorelai Gilmore. I mean, hello, my husband and I are partners with a local coffee shop here in Tampa. But for real, I love the smell of coffee, the taste of coffee, the comfort that coffee gives me, the community that happens when drinking coffee. Coffee is an experience to me. It's a ritual. I love it. I started drinking coffee, I think I was 18, and I'm honestly... (laughs) embarrassed by how much caffeine I used to drink. In my early 20s, I was drinking at least, at least a pot of coffee a day. I'd make a pot in the morning and just drink it throughout the day. I did not realize how much caffeine I was drinking until I decided to Google how much caffeine was in stuff one day. I think I was like 28 or 29. I almost fell over. 
from shock when I Googled this. And do you guys want to know the reason that that caused me to Google this in the first place? I was having an issue with one of my eyes twitching uncontrollably. Like my eye, my right eye would just twitch throughout the day. And I didn't know why I couldn't get it to stop. So I Googled that first. Like, hello, why is my eye twitching and why won't it stop? And something about too much caffeine came up and I was like, wait, what? There's such thing as too much caffeine? Like that did not even cross my mind. And listen, I am not trying to be a bubble buster here, but let me just fill you in on how much caffeine is in some typical stuff that I feel like a lot of us consume. Okay. So in an Alani New Energy drink, there are 200 milligrams of caffeine. In one cup of black drip coffee, so just like a regular cup of coffee, there's 95 milligrams of caffeine on average in a latte that it's a double for like a double shot latte, which is typically what people make 125 milligrams of caffeine on average in a serving of pre-workout. There is on average, uh, 350 milligrams of caffeine in, and then I have a couple of Starbucks drinks cause I know a lot of people go to Starbucks. So in a venti, Pike Place Roast, so like their black coffee venti, 410 milligrams of caffeine. Then in a Starbucks cold foam cold brew, a grande size, 205 milligrams of caffeine. And then the last one I'll share, Starbucks nitro cold brew with sweet cream. That's what I used to get. 325 milligrams of caffeine. And do you know, do you know that according to the Mayo Clinic, the recommended amount of caffeine for like a normal healthy adult is not to exceed 400 milligrams a day. Let me tell y'all, it adds up fast, okay? So when I found out that I was drinking way over 400 milligrams a day, I started tracking my caffeine and I made sure not to go over 400 milligrams a day. And then I got pregnant in 2022. Yeah, I was like, hold on. When did I get pregnant? Um, When I got pregnant, I cut back to 200 milligrams a day because that's like the recommended highest amount you can have when you're pregnant. And I couldn't believe how much less anxious I felt. So I've stuck with that range post-pregnancy too. Um, Like that's just whenever after I gave birth and I was like, okay, I'm honestly going to stick to this 200 number instead of 400 because it makes me feel better. So now my norm is between 140 and 200 milligrams of caffeine a day. So when I wake up, I used to have coffee right away. And now I still do have coffee because it's a comfort thing for me. So now I have decaf coffee with collagen right when I wake up so that I get in a good amount of protein immediately to start my day. And I'm not like running on caffeine right when I wake up. I also switched from oat milk to whole milk to up the protein in my coffee a a little bit. And we'll talk more about protein later on. But not only that, I don't drink caffeine after 1 p.m. anymore. Because even if caffeine, and I'm putting this in quotes, doesn't affect you, like you're like, yeah, I could still fall asleep. No problem. Even if I have caffeine late in the day, it still stays in your system and it can disrupt your quality of sleep, even if it doesn't affect your ability to fall asleep. Okay. So that is the first thing that I did to help lower my stress and support my cortisol. I started monitoring my caffeine and making sure that I wasn't exceeding like the amount that I wanted to exceed. So like for me, like I said, used to be 400. Now I'm at 200 or less a day. And also I don't have caffeine after 1 p.m. So that's number one. Number two, the second thing that I did to help lower my stress and support my cortisol levels, prioritizing sleep hygiene. This might be the most important one. 
and you might be like, what are you even talking about? Like, what the heck is sleep hygiene? So let's talk about it. It's healthy habits, behaviors, and environmental factors that can be adjusted to help you have a good night's sleep. So to be transparent, I have not had the best history of sleep hygiene. I remember when I lived with my roommates when I was like 19, one of my roommates would find me asleep at my desk sometimes with my TV blasting friends playing. (laughs) And I would just watch TV. I would watch friends and work and study until I literally passed out at my desk. And then up until a few years ago, I would regularly skip my evening skincare. I would be scrolling on my phone and or watching TV until like 10 p.m. I would do my workouts at like 7 p.m. I would have caffeine up until like 4 p.m. And I wondered why I couldn't sleep well and why I felt so tired even after getting a full night of sleep. It's because I never really thought about my sleep quality. I was thinking about the number of hours I was getting a night, but I wasn't paying attention to the quality of sleep that I was getting. And it's just, it changed the game for me when I started to prioritize my sleep hygiene. So I've always been a morning routine girly, but evening routines, they just kind of kicked my butt for a long time because I wasn't intentional with my time in the evenings. My routine was filled with habits that did not support good quality sleep. And I didn't even realize it because I was kind of just in autopilot mode from being so tired at the end of the day. Thankfully, after implementing the Hustle Sanely planning system, I no longer feel completely exhausted at the end of each day. I've been working on my sleep hygiene for the last few years. And then when I started waking up at like 2 a.m. every night back in November, I was like, all right, that's it. I made my focus goal for December, create an evening routine that supports good sleep hygiene. Like I was serious about getting clear on my vision, defining my priorities and creating a routine that supported my season of life, like my evenings. And uh, I'm going to tell you guys what I did to help prioritize my sleep quality because it truly, all this stuff together has made such a difference in how I sleep. So the first one is kind of over the top, but we bought a new mattress. Now, Adam and I have always had hand-me-down mattresses from our families, and then seven years ago, we bought our own mattress for the first time, but it wasn't the best mattress. Um, It was what we could afford back then, and it was fine, but like it just – I was never like stoked to get in bed. So during Black Friday last year, I was scoping out mattress deals. (laughs) Tell me you're in your 30s without telling me that you're in your 30s, you know? And uh, we decided to invest in a Tempur-Pedic cloud mattress and pillows. And oh my gosh, y'all, talk about a big difference. I do not wake up with little cricks in my neck and my back anymore, and it is just so glorious. I look forward to getting in our bed. It's so cozy, and yeah, it's just a whole different vibe, truly. Investing in a good quality mattress is a game changer. So that's the one thing that I did to help prioritize my sleep quality. That one, like I said, it's kind of intense because it requires like a financial investment. The rest are not so intense like that. Okay. The next one, I started taking a magnesium supplement to support my sleep. I tried a few different ones and I really like the first form one. I've been using it for over two months at this point and I definitely notice a difference in my sleep when I take it. When I started taking it, I started having dreams again. I think because it helps me get in to a deeper sleep. So that's the second thing that I did to help prioritize my sleep quality was taking a magnesium supplement. The next one is, and this might bother some of you, it might annoy you, might bring up some resistance. I go to sleep and wake up around the same time every day. 
even on the weekends. And this has helped my body regulate my sleep and wake cycles. So I typically go to bed between 9.30 and 10.30 every night, and I typically wake up between 5.45 and 6 every day. And honestly, I feel great about it. It, I don't feel like I'm missing out or not able to sleep in because I'm getting good quality sleep every day. And to me, that is worth the trade-off. So that's the next one. The next thing that I did after that is practicing phone hours. So I put my phone away around 8.45 every night and read until I go to sleep, which, like I said, between 9.30 and 10.30. Um, If I know that I'm really tired and I'm going to be going to sleep early, I get off my phone before 8.45 and I try to put it away around like 8. But if I am like, okay, I'm definitely in the mood to read and I don't think I'm going to fall asleep right away, then I'll let myself stay on my phone until like 8.45 when I'm going to bed around 10. So basically, I try not to be on my phone within 45 to 60 minutes of going to sleep. And I just, I try not to look at screens in general. Like I try not to watch TV until I fall asleep. Like I'll watch an episode or two, but then I'll go lay in my bed and read, give my eyes like a break from the screens. Um, Now I don't include my Kindle when I'm talking about not looking at screens before bed because it doesn't have a blue light. So I don't even think it counts anyways. But that's the next thing that I did to help prioritize my sleep hygiene is I practice phone hours, aka I don't look at my screen before bed. And then the next thing is getting my workouts in earlier in the day. So some studies have shown that if you do high intensity exercise close to bedtime, you could have trouble falling asleep and it also affects your sleep quality. So now I try to have my workouts done by around noon every day. I'm not perfect about this because our schedules and routines are tools, not chains, but I do make it my standard for most days. So that's the next thing that I did. The next thing is not having caffeine after 1 p.m. We already talked about this one, okay? So those are the things that I have done to help me just really prioritize my sleep hygiene and make sure that I'm getting good quality sleep and not just like X amount of hours of sleep per night. So since creating an evening routine that implements these habits, I have noticed such a big difference in my sleep quality and my overall well-being, which definitely helps lower my stress. Hello, it is me interrupting myself to tell you all about the free Chaos to Calm workshop in case you haven't signed up for it yet. Y'all, this is such a valuable workshop that I am so excited to give to you for free because I love you and I appreciate you and I want you to live a peacefully productive life. So I wanted to create a resource that is a good starting point for people who feel just kind of scattered when it comes to their routines. So when you sign up for this workshop, I'm going to email you a video that's around 40 minutes long where we cover what are routines and what are they not, how to design routines for your season, five routines that will invite more peace into your life, how to create a weekly schedule to weave these routines into your life right now. I'm also going to send you a workbook so that you can take what I'm teaching you in that video and actually apply it to your own life. So if this sounds like something that you're interested in, head to jessicamassey.com slash CTC and pop your email in the box and I'll send you everything that you need to go from chaos to calm. And little spoiler alert, I launched a new course in January, January 24th, called the Hustle Sandy Lifestyle Course. And there may or may not be a sneaky little discount code for the course inside the free workshop. So yeah, just saying, it's a gift and a gift. Go take the workshop. Head to jesscamassi.com slash CTC to sign up for the free Chaos to Calm workshop. I can't wait to see you in there, but let's go ahead and get back to the show.
the third thing that I did to help lower stress and support my cortisol levels, changing up my workout routine. Okay. I mentioned in the last one that doing my workouts earlier in the day helps to lower my stress and support my cortisol levels. Well, during my deep dive research about what I could do to support my cortisol levels, I learned that doing too much high intensity exercise ultimately stresses your body out. When we don't have enough rest and recovery time, our bodies interpret this high intensity exercise as stress. That's so wild and I had no idea. My norm for the last decade or so has been doing like five hit or high intensity interval training workouts a week. That's insane. So uh, once I realized like, oh, this is actually probably hurting my body in the long run rather than helping it, I was like, okay, we got to make some changes. So I pulled up an article from Healthline and I have it linked in the show notes for you guys. And it says, without proper recovery, intense exercise can lead to elevated levels of cortisol in the bloodstream and heightened symptoms of physical stress, even when the exercise is not being performed. So it's not just happening to your body when you're actually doing the exercise. It's happening even like after the exercise is done. So me doing hit so much for such a long period of time was putting an excess amount of stress on my body and I didn't even realize it. So imagine that 10 years of built up underlying stress on my body. No wonder I was waking up at like 2 a.m. and my sleep quality was trash, right? So since learning this, I've altered my weekly workout routine and it's been so rad because I've noticed that since making the changes, I feel stronger and I perform better in my workouts because I'm giving my body time to recover between high intensity interval training sessions. So I'm just going to tell you guys, this is my current workout split, okay? I used to be a certified personal trainer. I write all my own workouts. I really love writing workouts. So here's what I do currently for my weekly workout routine. On Mondays, I walk and then I do a lower body focused weightlifting session. So nothing with high intensity in it. On Tuesdays, I do high intensity interval training in the form of sprints. And then I do a shoulder and tricep focused weightlifting session. So that's one hit workout. Wednesdays, I do a walk and a core focused workout. So no, nothing high intensity there. Thursdays, I do a hit circuit. So a high intensity interval training circuit, like plyometrics, things like that. And then I do a back and bicep focused weightlifting session. So that's my second and final high intensity interval training session of the week. So I went from doing like five or six a week to doing two. So that's a big difference. Then on Fridays, I walk and I do a glute and hamstring focused weightlifting session. And then Saturdays, I walk and do a core focused workout. And then on Sundays, I just walk. So that is what my current workout split is. And again, that is a big, big improvement going from five or six high intensity interval training sessions a week to two. And like I said, I've noticed a big difference. So that's the third thing that I've done to help lower my stress. The fourth thing that I've done to help lower my stress and support my cortisol levels, doing daily grounding with breath work. Now, this is one of my favorite habit stacks right now, doing breath work while I'm doing my daily grounding. Basically, it's me being outside with my bare feet in the grass and taking really deep intentional breaths, okay? Sounds kind of crunchy, but there's actual science behind both things, so hear me out. 
Let's talk about grounding first. I'm pretty sure that I've talked about it on the show before, but grounding, it's sometimes called earthing, and it refers to direct skin contact with the surface of the earth, such as with bare feet or bare hands. And then uh, this article that I found, it says subjective reports that walking barefoot on the earth enhances health and provides feelings of well-being can be found in the literature and practices of diverse cultures from around the world. And I'll link that in the show notes, the article. It goes on to say grounding and its health benefits have existed for thousands of years in traditional Chinese medicine, aboriginal cultures, and indigenous communities. In the 1800s, well-known German scientists began proposing walking barefoot for health benefits. Beyond legend and anecdotal evidence, a growing body of research supports and explores the psychological effects and possible health benefits of grounding. So there's a whole list of health benefits of grounding that have been studied in that article. I'll read some of them, but you can go read the whole article if you want the whole list because it's a lot. Improved mood, improved immune system function, reduced pain, reduced post-exertion muscle soreness, aka like you're not as sore from working out, improved sleep quality. It helps with deeper and more restorative sleep. Thank you. That is what I needed. Reduce stress, uh, improved physical function and energy, decreased fatigue and tiredness. So like I said, there's lots and lots and lots of benefits to grounding. And I'll link the two articles that I got all this information from in the show notes in case you want to go on a deep dive yourself and read more. So that's grounding. Now let's chat about breath work. Raise your hand if when you hear the phrase breath work, you're like, what the heck is that? Because that used to be me. My therapist is actually the one who introduced me to breath work, and she taught me different types of breath work to help me manage my anxiety. So what is it? What's breath work? It's basically intentional breathing. Like that's what I think about whenever I think about breath work. An article from WebMD says your breath brings oxygen into your body so that you can thrive. When you are physically or emotionally stressed, it affects how you breathe. Breath work helps to calm your stress and bring balance to your body. The article goes on to say that breath work is really trendy right now, but it's not new. People have been practicing breath work for thousands of years and it has roots in yoga practice. The basic idea of breath work is to release toxins and stress when you breathe out and nourish your mind and body when you breathe in. Research on breath work is promising. Potential health benefits of breath work include alkalizing your blood pH, anti-inflammatory effect, and elevating your mood. Breath work may also have a positive impact on your central nervous system. This is the part that I'm interested in. When you feel stressed, your breath tends to become fast and shallow true. This limits the oxygen entering your bloodstream. Your brain tells your body that there is a threat and your body responds in fight or flight. That last part, the calming of the central nervous system, that's why my therapist wanted me to start implementing regular breath work into my life. So uh, what I do is when I'm outside grounding, which is usually with Everly, we're just out there barefoot hanging out, I do five to 10 rounds or sets of this. It's a big inhale through my nose. I hold it for a second and then I inhale a little bit more through my nose and then a big exhale out of my mouth. It's so easy and I'm able to do it like while I'm playing with Everly in the backyard. I'll do it right now on air. I'm going to sound silly, but just so you can like get an idea. It's so again, this is... I do five to 10 rounds of this and it's a big inhale through my nose, hold it for a second, another little sip in through my nose of air and then breathe out through my mouth. So it's like, okay. 
Okay. So that's it. It's super easy. It's free. It's a free thing to do to help manage your stress. Um, so grounding and breath work, they're things that I do almost every day. And like I said, I really have noticed a difference whenever I do them and they don't take a lot of time and they don't require any money. So pretty, pretty great. So that's the fourth thing that I've done to help lower stress and support my cortisol levels. And then the fifth thing that I'm going to share, the final one that I have done to help lower my stress and support my cortisol levels is making sure that I'm eating enough protein. So I feel like this one is pretty straightforward, making sure that I'm eating enough protein. So uh, there is a research article that, and I'll link it in the show notes, of course. Y'all didn't know you were coming to get a science lesson today, did you? Did you? (laughs) Um, But this article, it showed that an intake of protein increased positive mood and dampened the cortisol response to acute stress. And then it goes on to say, we hypothesized that high protein foods in contrast to comparable high carbohydrate foods would not increase salvage. I don't even know how to say this science word, salivary (laughs) cortisol concentrations, more under stress and consequently would improve mood. So I'm going to link the article in the show notes. And like I said, you didn't know you were coming for like a whole science lesson here, but all the articles that I referenced are in the show notes. Okay. Like I am giving credit where credit is due. I'm not a scientist. So go knock your socks off and read them if you want to. But anyway, like I said earlier, I used to be a personal trainer. So I understand the importance that high quality protein plays in our bodies. But to keep it real, I am so quick to grab a more carb filled snack over a protein filled snack. So I've been trying to be more aware of that since focusing on trying to lower my stress and support my cortisol. And listen, okay, do not get me wrong. I still love a carb. Like I'm a carb loving girly and I am not one of those people who thinks that carbs are bad. Our bodies need carbs. Like it's proven. So don't think carbs are bad. That is not what I am saying here. I am just trying to be more mindful of eating a better balance of carbs and proteins these days. Okay. So here are a few things that I've done to help up my protein intake. I add collagen to my morning coffee. I told you guys about that earlier. I use first forms. I have a Chobani complete yogurt drink after my coffee and before I work out. So after my decaf collagen coffee, I have this Chobani complete yogurt drink that has 20 grams of protein. My collagen, I want to say it has 15 grams of protein. I also track my macros two to three days a week to just keep a pulse on how much protein I'm averaging so that I'm not just guessing. So like two days a week, I take the time to track the meals that I'm eating in my phone because I I eat pretty much not the same thing every day, but like we have like rotations like every week. So I'm eating similar things from week to week. So I just track two days a week to make sure that I'm on track with my protein. So that's something that I do. I drink a high quality whey isolate protein on the days when I need more protein. I'll link my favorite one in the show notes. So on a day that I'm like, okay, I know that I have not gotten enough protein in today. I have a protein shake. So, uh, and then I already mentioned this one earlier. I swapped oat milk for whole milk in my coffee because oat milk has like no protein and whole milk has protein. And then the last little thing, like little tip or whatever that I do to help with my protein intake is I make sure my goal is to have at least 20 grams of protein with every main meal. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I am shooting to hit 20 to 30 grams of protein. That's my goal. So all right, y'all. That is it for today. Five things that I've been doing to help me lower my stress that I've actually noticed a difference because of. And I know this 
one was jam-packed. This episode had a lot of information in it. So let's recap really quick the five things that I did to help lower my stress and support my cortisol levels. Number one, limiting my caffeine intake and being intentional about when I'm having it. Number two, prioritizing sleep hygiene. Number three, changing up my workout routine. Number four, doing daily grounding with breath work. And number five, making sure that I'm eating enough protein. Do not get stressed out. (laughs) No pun intended. See what I did there? Thinking that you have to make all of these changes right now. I've been making these changes and integrating them into my life over the last few months not all at one time. So pick one or two and weave them into your life in a way that works for you. Then once they become your new norm, start to weave in another one, okay? Don't feel like you have to do all of them at one time, okay? Okay. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, I would love you forever if you would take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories. Tag me in it at Jess M. Massey and tag Hustle Sanely too, at Hustle Sanely so that we can reshare on our stories. Okay. I love you so much. I will chat with you next week and I hope you have the best day ever. 